When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. What would happen if the U.S. government decided to forgive all $1.5 trillion worth of outstanding student loan debt? That's what I want to talk about today. And I'll start off with a bit of a spoiler alert, which should come as no surprise to many of my longtime listeners. I'm not a fan of the idea. On the basis of both principle as well as just economics and what does and doesn't work, I think that the positive a potential benefit from such a program is far outweighed by the detrimental effects of a massive forgiveness program. And, and keep in mind, this is coming from a grad student that is no stranger to student loan debt. And, and don't worry, guys, I'm not getting my doctorates in medieval history or something like that. No, it's a more of what you'd call a STEM field of you know physical therapy, something I think was going to offer a, a high amount of, of stability and, and opportunities for, uh, far out into the future. But again, my own financial picture would likely be helped out by some sort of massive forgiveness program. But I think that, uh, again, on principle of, of both economics and, and just more libertarian ideas, I don't think that such a program is a good idea. With that being said, over the short term, there probably would be some benefits. And and I want to start off by talking about those. You know, the media talks about this all the time. The, the massive amount of millennials and Gen Xers, I mean, those are the generations that are primarily holding this debt. You know, a lot of the Gen Zers are probably not out of, of college yet that this amount of debt prevents them from living what the media would call, I mean, the American dream. Maybe they don't state it that way, but that this high amount of debt is preventing millions of individuals from buying a house or maybe buying a bigger house, uh, buying a, a nice car, a boat, getting married, having kids, whatever. You know, again, the American dream. And that if they would just be forgiven of this debt, that they would again be able to to live that American dream as if the American dream is some sort of a right. I mean, if you take that sort of an argument to to the to you know apply to other situations, you know, I could say, you know, I'm working at I don't know, let's say I'm a I'm a bus driver, all right, public transit, and I'm not getting paid all that well, and I feel that my current salary. Is, is just not enough. It's preventing me from living out what I would consider the American dream, right? I, I have to rent. I don't have the money to buy a house. Therefore, you got to raise my salary, right? Maybe double it, 50% increase, whatever, because I want to live the American dream. I mean, I'll remind you that in terms of student loan debt, Maybe it wasn't the best idea to have 18-year-olds agree to such terms, but they did. It was a contract, essentially. I mean, I signed it myself, holding themselves accountable for this. Now, yes, I know, I know, college is crazy expensive. Way more expensive than it has to be. Way more expensive than it should be. 
And there's some serious problems with that. And, and I do believe that a big part of these rising college costs has something to do, has a lot to do with increasing government involvement. But that doesn't change the fact that they're still on the hook for this debt, right? But again, the positive benefits, yes, there would be some economic positive benefits. You'd see as a whole consumption go up. You would see uh, more more uh, people buying houses, building houses, buying new cars, having kids, getting married, buying boats, RVs, ATVs, whatever, building garages, you know, all sorts of extra consumption that they would now be able to afford because all of a sudden $1.5 trillion worth of debt would be wiped off of the consumer balance sheet. Now I think it won't take that us it won't take us all that long to replace that debt with some other form of debt, credit card debt, housing debt, etc. But you know, at least it wouldn't be student loan debt, right? <laughs> but that's kind of the positive benefit. And I, I think over the short term, talking a year or two, maybe even a little beyond that, you would have a benefit from that. But at what point do the detrimental effects of that outweigh the potential benefits? And and believe me, there are some some nasty side effects of suddenly forgiving $1.5 trillion worth of debt. I mean, you have to understand that that debt is not being wiped out. I mean, as it stands right now, you can think of that $1.5 trillion as being an asset, essentially, on the balance sheet of the federal government. That is not theirs right now, that money, but eventually it's going to be paid back to them, or at least a vast majority of it will from, from the borrowers. And, and they're going to make some money off of it. I mean, look at the, the, the interest rate on student loan debt. They're going to make some money off of it. But, but as a whole, it's a net asset. And if they were to forgive that, all of a sudden that asset is essentially wiped off their balance sheet. So the U.S. government may not... I don't know the mechanics of it, but I wouldn't expect them to suddenly take on a $1.5 trillion debt overnight because of the forgiveness. But you would definitely see that increase in the deficit being spread out over a period of months or years because they wouldn't be paid. They, their income would be decreased because those assets, those uh, uh, loans that they held on their balance sheet are no longer there. Right. It'd be similar to, you know, if you had, let's say, mortgage debt and let's say the government had a program to wipe out mortgage debt. Well, who's holding those mortgages? It's the banks, essentially. Now, I mean, yeah, the government could could compensate the banks for those mortgages. But in case of the federal government, it'd be wiped out. And so where does that deficit come from, that one point five plus trillion? And, and believe me, that number is going to go up higher than one point five or one point six trillion. And I'll talk more about that here in a second. But where does that money come from? I mean, really, it comes from one of two places. Either A, investors, whether it's foreign governments, foreign central banks, pension funds, hedge funds, etc., are going to have to fund that deficit, buying bonds, $1.6 trillion worth, which is quite a bit in the whole scheme of things. I mean, that's more bonds than I think the Chinese government owns, more than the Japanese government owns. That's a lot of money. Or the Federal Reserve could step in and just say, well, we'll cover it. We'll, we'll print some money and give it to you. And, and 
essentially monetize that debt. I mean, that's really the, the two options they have. And already on, on the first option in terms of just issuing more debt, the, the U.S. Treasury market is already becoming increasingly saturated. And demand is just not as high as it was in the past, especially from sources like foreign central banks, foreign investors, and, and uh, the Federal Reserve, because they're not doing quantitative easing right now. And so as a whole, the U.S. private sector has had to pick up the tab on most of that. They're the ones that are funding most of these uh, this massive deficits. I mean, foreign investors, to some extent, have stepped in a little bit more in the last six months. But as a whole, it's not enough to support a massive, another massive increase in deficits. And so what that means is prices would have to go down. I mean, that's supply and demand. Unless the Fed steps in with quantitative easing, prices would have to go down, yields would have to go up. And all of a sudden, as yields go up and the cost of service, that debt goes up. Well, the the net impact of this has already increased beyond $1.5 or $1.6 trillion. But I think there's more to it than just that, right? And again, I want to get to that here in a second. But there is the other option that the Fed can just print this money, can monetize this debt. And the risk with that, which which I think is going to come up many times in the scenario that I'm talking about here, the, the detrimental effects of a massive forgiveness program, is inflation. If all of a sudden your central bank is, is essentially monetizing debts because the the investors of the world aren't willing to buy any of it or enough of it, then you end up with inflation. Because what that means is is now the the base money supply, the US dollar, amount of US dollars in the world in circulation is going to be increasing uh, by the, the tens of billions or even trillions of dollars on a yearly basis, which is a dangerous situation to be in. Monetization of debt. I mean, if you look at cases of hyperinflation around the world, over the last 100 years, 200 years, it's very common for some form of monetization of debt to have occurred during that period or even prior to that period of hyperinflation. It does not lend itself to credibility of, of the currency or of the government. But moving on, you know, I, I like I said, the, the cost is far going to exceed what many people expect, $1.5, $1.6 trillion. And part of that, I think, is going to be the interest expense. It's, there's going to be the inflation, which is a little bit harder to, to understand, but absolutely, absolutely, there's going to be that cost as well. But you also have to sort of ask some questions once such a program has been put into place. First of all, what about the next class of, of freshman students going through college. Are they going to take on debt as well? And are they going to be allowed to take on debt for another four years? Are we going to continue to allow it to, to pile up and then again, just forgive it or, or make them pay it off? I mean, how is that going to work? I would imagine that there would be a lot of people that would be saying, this isn't fair. If they get free college, how come I can't get free college as well? And so I think pretty quickly, with any sort of loan forgiveness program, politicians would realize that this is not just a loan forgiveness program. This is a free college program. And so now we have to ask ourselves, what is the cost of that to the federal government? Well, it's pretty high. Again, when the federal government gets involved in things, the cost tends to go up, but already it's it's an expensive 
task to, to run the, the country's colleges. And if all of a sudden anybody can go and get a degree is essentially for free because the government's funding it. I mean, where does that leave us? I mean, that leaves us with free college, but a massive cost to the government. And, and again, I'll remind you, like, it, it'd be great that all of a sudden all these people are getting an education, but I see two problems with that. First of all, college education is not what it used to be in many fields. I mean, STEM fields, it's still very important, very necessary a lot of times. But unfortunately, I think a lot of that could be on the job training, self-taught and whatnot in many of these STEM fields. But okay, those degrees are still pretty good. But in a lot of other degrees, it's not nearly as lucrative or important as it was in the past. But then the other problem with this is all of a sudden, the higher education of the United States is now run by the federal government. And what kind of an education is that? I mean, can, can you understand how one specific viewpoint could be pushed by an administration or just by the government as a whole and sort of silence all of these other viewpoints, right? As a whole, over the span of a number of years, decades, the the U.S. college system could very quickly become a, a echo chamber, which some would argue it already is now, but I think it would get much, much worse because you're going to have very few professors or even students that would be willing to say something that, you know, the administration of the U S government doesn't want to hear. I mean, this is the place of higher education. This is not the place to learn just the basic, basic you know, facts of, of certain things. But, but when you get into the realm of liberal arts and, and some of those electives and whatnot, you know, where varying opinions are appreciated much, much more than say in, in, calculus or something like that, you know, if all of a sudden the incentive is for everybody to sort of toe the the government line, where's free speech there? I mean, it's similar to the current public school system where, yes, many teachers, especially on, on one side of the political spectrum, tend to editorialize, I believe, more than others. As a whole, you know, public school teachers don't have a whole lot of leeway in terms of curriculum and whatnot. They, they sort of just have to teach what they're, they're told to be taught. And, and that works for, again, something like a math class. Oh, maybe they have different methods and whatnot, but I mean, I feel like math is kind of just math. But what about in the realms of like history or even science, right? There's a lot more beyond the textbook that if I were a, a elementary or a high school teacher, I'd want to go into, right? So that's another potential negative to this is essentially the nationalization of the world's or the U.S.'s uh, upper education or higher education system. But it goes further than that. You know how I was talking about the incoming class of freshmen and how many of them would probably say, that's unfair, that they could have their loans forgiven, but now I'm taking out a bunch of loans to go to, to, to college. What about the rest of the population? Wouldn't there be a, a, a very large amount of the population that maybe never went to college or maybe already went to college and paid off their student loan debt that again would be saying that's unfair? How come those individuals that made that decision to take on that debt are now going to have it forgiven, but I don't get anything out of it? In fact, if anything, I get all the negatives of it. I mean, again, that is essentially the, the, the cost of that debt being forgiven is being put on the shoulders of taxpayers. 
either taxes are going to cover that, unlikely, or an increase in, in, in debt issuance, or the Fed's going to monetize that debt. And in any option there, I mean, it's the taxpayers and the government that really shoulders the load of that. And it's those that were forgiven of that debt that have the benefit primarily. And, and again, I mean, the media would portray it differently. They'd say, but the economy would be booming and whatnot. But I mean, think of it this way. Let's say you are a, you know, let's say you're 10 years out of college, just finished paying off a very large pile of student loan debt. You've been working your butt off for the last 10 years. And you finally are at the point where you feel like maybe you can move into a house or a nicer house or settle down and start a family or whatever. And all of a sudden you have some young hotshot straight out of college in the exact same financial position as you, right? There would be a lot of people saying that's unfair. And that's why I think the cost is going to increase even more. First of all, on the social side of things, because if that's it, if there's just this program and that's it, and there's no other compensation for all these other individuals, then yeah, you have a lot of people saying that's unfair and it's going to create a lot of social rifts. But what if all of a sudden politicians realize, well, we got to buy more votes or people are unhappy with this program, those that, that weren't part of the forgiveness program. And they say, well, let's make it even for everybody, right? Let's help other people out with their debts, whether it's housing debt or, or car loans or credit cards, or even just, Hey, what about those that don't have any debt? How about we just write them a check? And at this point, we're basically in the realm of helicopter money where the U S government is going out and paying off debts or, or writing checks to individuals and largely funding it by monetization of debt. I mean, think about it, 1.5 trillion, but but it's not too hard to arrive at a number north of $5 trillion worth of, of compensation for not only forgiving debt, but also the, the hundreds of millions of other individuals that maybe weren't part of that program, right? And all of a sudden, you're in a world where inflation is out of control. The debt is, is far, far larger than anybody would have imagined. And all of a sudden, you know, the problem of student loan debt which would be fresh in the memory of many of these individuals actually wouldn't look all that bad compared to maybe the inflation, the deflation, uh, the economic malaise uh, that they would be, be experiencing in, in such a situation. So anyways, I, I hope you enjoyed my perspective on this. As always, thank you guys from the bottom of my heart for watching this video, listening to this podcast, and God bless.